Coming up, it's a special edition of Don't Panic. It's an all-question-and-answer show. That's right, we're answering your viewer-submitted question with our special panel of guests. This time, we're talking about, has the video game industry plateaued? What are the best devices you can buy? How to get your senior citizen into technology? And why is Netflix so dominant? It's an interesting show. You're going to want to stick around. We answer your questions. Coming up next. This is Don't Panic, episode number 55, recorded July 14th, 2014. Ask us anything. Hello and welcome to this special edition of Don't Panic. Why do I say it's special? Well, because we are joined by three special people on a very special night with a very special topic, and we're glad you could join us. I'm Sean Jennings, and I'm joined by not the two usual guys you expect. Colby and Dan couldn't be bothered to show up this week, so we replaced them with three people who are even better. Let's go around the horn and start with our introductions. Uh, Travis Kovacs is joining us. Uh, Travis, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. We're also being joined by uh, Colin Turkel. Colin, thanks for being here. I'm very glad to be here on this momentous occasion. That is quite an honorable intro. And of course, uh, you may know her from the internet, Katie Adams. Hi. I have to admit I'm a little panicked. You're a little panicked? Well, hopefully we'll alleviate some of that on this special episode. And I couldn't think of a better panel of experts to walk us through uh, tech Q&A. So the, the... reason I'm thinking behind this week's episode was, um, A, Colby and Dan couldn't be bothered to be here, but B, we are all about our fans, our our viewers, our listeners, and we want them to give us feedback. So we thought we would do a, a show full of questions from viewers that we would answer all about technology. Uh, do you guys think you're up for the challenge? Oh, I am I always so. up for the challenge. <laughs> That's good. Sure. I, I like the optimism. <laughs> well, I'll remind everyone out there that we do this show live every Monday night, 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that is 7 p.m. Pacific on our website, don'tpanic.io. If you're watching live tonight, I am on Twitter. You can tweet using hashtag DPQuestions or at Don't Panic Show, and we'll get your questions live. And assuming they're not profane and are relevant, uh, we may even mention them on the show. Um, And, uh, you know, subscribe to us on iTunes, follow on Twitter, you know, the usual nine yards. But we're not going to waste any time. We're going to jump right into our questions. And the first one we're going to jump into comes from a listener named Bruce. And uh, I think this is especially good for Travis and Colin. And and Katie, I'm sure you have valuable insight as well. But uh, the the question is that, um, uh, and I'll sort of give a little background around his question, but uh, the video game industry in Bruce's opinion, has plateaued a little bit. Whether it's re-releases of existing franchises, the same first-person space alien shooter, whether it's the fizzling of motion controls and and, and the Kinect. Um, and Bruce wonders, has the video game industry plateaued and is there still is it still possible to see future innovations? So uh, where do you go, guys? And we'll go to uh, Travis first. Uh, where do you see the future of the video game industry going? Do you think we've plateaued? Can we move beyond where we are now? Uh, personally, I don't think that it's plateaued at all. Certainly, there are a lot of re-releases. There are a lot of reboots going on. And that's honestly to be expected now with you know better graphics, people who have 
Um, you will play things like Tomb Raider, one of the biggest ones that came out recently, and of course that deserved a reboot. Uh, franchises like Call of Duty, like Assassin's Creed, just keep popping out games every year or so. But around the same time that the PS3 released, they had been saying, oh, he's going to be plateaued now, because they couldn't think of where it might be able to go. With the release of the PS4 and also the Xbox One, we gave developers a lot of hardware. And if you look at games like Call of Duty 3 or Tony Hawk Project 8 that released with the PS3, and then you kind of compare them to what's being released now still for the PS3 and for the Xbox 360, games have expanded past what people thought was possible. And uh, with the PS4 now, and of course the Xbox One, I keep forgetting to mention that because I am a Sony freak. Um, there's a lot more room now for these companies to develop games that really test the hardware. And it's incredibly more powerful than the PS3 or Xbox 360. And also, we have more avenues to travel down. Things like social games are coming out. They're being big now. Things like uh, Tom Clancy's The Division, Drive Club, stuff like that. They all are incredibly integrated with social. Things that we've never had before. Uh, not to, at least to this extent, past a few multiplayer games, stuff like that. And once we realize how to combine the two, you know, whether it be an indie developer who has been given much more leeway with these new consoles, or with an old developer who decides to have a great new idea, I think that gaming as it is now is just starting to get, just starting to take greater leaps. And I don't think it's plateaued at all. So let me counter you with this then. You know, I, I agree that new consoles, new uh, programming tools are allowing developers to create interesting new original content. But my question is, are they doing that? You know, when you have a Call of Duty, you can put out anything, stamp Call of Duty on it, and you make a billion dollars. Is there really incentive anymore for... Uh, now, I'm not a video gamer. I should say that. I never play video games, like, ever. I play Monopoly on my iPad. That's not a joke. Um, hey, it gets intense, Who do you man. play with? Do you play like... I play against, against the AI. God damn it. I know. I, and I'm The I'm toughest opponent of them all. Hey, you laugh, but they have a terrible... I'd love for one of you to look at it because they have the world's worst algorithm for the AIs. But that's another story for another day. My point being is that as someone who knows nothing about video games, all video games for me are lumped into one of two categories. They're either super mega blockbuster, three, four, fifth sequels. Or they're weird, awkward, independent games that I don't even know if anyone actually plays. And please correct me if I'm wrong, but just because we have the tools, are developers actually going to use them? Or are we just going to keep seeing more of the same? Well, here's the thing, too. And, and the social aspect that Travis touched upon is, is also really important. Um, I'll get to that in a moment. But the one factor that a lot of people may not take into account is the fact that when you look at the lifespan of a console, uh, like the PS3, for example, the PS3 was released in 2006. Um, a launch title for the PS3 is not going to look, I mean, graphically speaking anyway, nearly as good as uh, a title that you would see at the end of the PS3's lifespan. Like if you compare, um, I don't know, what's a what's like an early game that came out for the PS3? Like an early... Uh, Need Big game. Carbon, Resistance, uh, Untold Legends, Dark Kingdom, stuff like that. There you go. Compare now, those with... Came out around that time too. 
Yeah, and compare those with a title like uh, The Last of Us, which looks like beautiful considering the outdated hardware. I mean, developers sort of once they get the chance to acclimate themselves with the new hardware, you'll you'll find that games are going to keep on raising the bar and pushing the limits of the console. So I think we've only seen the beginning of that in terms of this new generation. But also there's the social aspect uh and and when you look at how gaming has evolved and and like how it's the different uh types of of gamers there are now i mean and and the audience too like if you look at gaming 10 years ago you know there was no there was not as nearly a, as big of a audience for uh shared gameplay footage for example you know like there was YouTube barely existed 10 years ago. So, I mean, you wouldn't find people doing Let's Plays and, uh, you know, commentary videos and stuff like that. Those were just not as common and as, as plentiful as they are now. So now you have this entire new generation of gaming where people will spend hours upon hours watching their favorite gamers, just watching them play via streaming platforms. So... That's something that our consoles now are capable of. You can just hit a button on the PS4 and start sharing uh, your gameplay footage, uh, streaming it live to an audience, and there's potential for uh, even making uh, compens- you know, monetary compensation for that, too. So, I mean, I would say the newest generation of consoles is well-equipped to take on that new generation of gaming so you know maybe even though it's plateaued slightly in in the sense of uh, of graphics uh you know we haven't been I, I would say not as we haven't been improving graphically as drastically as we did between the ps2 and the ps3 for example but there are other aspects that you have to take into account so I, if, I, if i can just add something very ahead. quickly um I like to think that if we take a step back, gaming becomes a lot clearer. And video games, as a genre, are at base media. And at least for the more mainstream ones, have become a way to tell a story or have players experience something. And as other forms of media goes, as books or music or movies have gone... They've hit points where they too have been like, oh, is this plateauing? But more and more things come out that completely just redefine their genre. And if we look at it as games being like a book, I don't think it'll actually ever plateau to the point where it stops until other forms of media also do the same. I think it's an incredibly ever-expanding media outlet. Uh, and I think you both make an interesting point, the sort of future uh, of gaming as entertainment rather than a, a physical thing you sit and do, right? It's more about the story, more about the, the visuals. It's not just about pressing A really quickly to kill the other guy on the screen. Katie, let me ask you this. As our normal person on the panel, um, <laughs> do, you, do you... Thanks. Well, uh, you know, how do you see video games as entertainment, right? Do you see a future in that? Would you ever sit and watch a video game being played? Do you think that has a potential to be the next, I don't want to say the next movies, which kind of sounds stupid, but you know what I mean, where I say, you know, could it one day maybe replace 
traditional entertainment like that? Um, as many hours as I wasted in college watching other people play video games, I like can't say that it. Play Mario Party. Oh God, that's a whole other story. <laughs> My goodness. That oh Jesus, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm having PTSD. Um, I don't think that I could see doing that as a platform for entertainment as like a third party not involved. Um, just personally don't not that into games though so I don't know how they've expanded the last game I played was Forza and I didn't play it the right way so yeah you just like <laughs> crashing all the cars that's what it was crashing the cars is the best part <laughs> I absolutely agree but well the, and the thing is too though about uh you know gaming as a an entertainment uh, a form of entertainment that you watch rather than take part in um I I, I think that's something that it appeals to a certain type of uh, of person. I mean, you have to be a gamer yourself, like in order to enjoy someone else watching or someone sorry, someone else playing rather a video game. Like when you know when people watch uh, live streams of you know the big MOBAs or whatever, like Dota Two, League of Legends. I mean, they're watching to see the most skilled players in the world pull off crazy stuff that you know, they would never be able to do or, or witness or take part in on their own. So it's kind of like a, it's almost like being a baseball player and, and in the, in little league or something and watching a major league baseball player play. It's like, you're just, you become enthralled with it because it's so, it's like that. It's almost like they're your role models. They're like what you strive to become, Per, like potentially yourself but then i guess that goes into the this question of plateauing right if if the only people who watched baseball were people who played baseball we wouldn't have the mlb and we wouldn't have billions and billions of dollars in revenue and and i question the same thing with video games right if if only filmmakers watched movies we wouldn't have giant franchises and the like so I, do you think there's any future for this video games as entertainment concept to go just beyond the existing video game community? Well, I mean, that's the kind of thing that we just have to wait and see. I mean, there, you, it would be cool to envision a world where there's a huge stadium filled with people watching, uh, you know, a Call of Duty match being played on a giant monitor in the middle or something like that, but I mean, I I don't know. Like I, it could go either way. I guess. I mean, I, I wouldn't expect it to expand to the level of the Super Bowl or something like that. But I, I think professional gaming is becoming more and more mainstream. And and I I think you bring up a really interesting distinction, which is the difference between competitive gaming and narrative gaming, right? If you're going to watch something online, I think people are much more likely to watch the competitive side because that's really what video the advantage to video games versus, say, a movie or a television show is the interactivity and the, the competitive and all that. And I absolutely agree. I think there's a really strong future for that market, even outside of gamers, um, because I think people really get competitive and really can understand because, you know, I don't know anything about being a professional baseball player, right? I would go up and swing and miss and just be a disaster. I understand how to play video games. Again, I'm not good at it, but at least I understand it, I think, a little better than something like baseball or when you get really complicated into even more 
you know, sports with lots of rules and what have you. So I, I think there is a future for that. Where it comes to narrative gaming, I think there's a long way to go because I think there has to be a lot more emphasis on story. There has to be a lot more emphasis on how does the interactivity play in with the story and then how do you convert that to a medium where someone would just sit and watch it, right? Definitely. Um, and and I, I, I'm, I'm agreed that I'm equally as curious to see how they solve that problem. But, you know, to, to get back to the, the question at hand, has video gaming plateaued? And I think, to kind of sum up what everyone said, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, but while some past attempts at, just because there have been past failures at trying to reinvigorate video games doesn't mean the industry's dead. You know, just because Kinect didn't take off in the way Microsoft hoped doesn't mean something like virtual reality is dead. You know, there, there's always something more, and there's always stumbling blocks in the industry, but you always have to look at what's working now and what has the potential to work in the future. And I think we agree that things like video games as entertainment is a huge opportunity, as well as social being a big opportunity in video games. And maybe that plays into this idea that hardware may be coming a little less important, and I don't know if you guys have thoughts on that, but the idea that it's really about the game and the content and the features within the game or the console rather than splashy, you know, PlayStation Move controllers that light up when you do this, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, I think hardware is important, in, and it's also not important in some cases. I mean, I can... Although I can name a few games uh, that are as fun to watch as they are to play, in my opinion. Like, if you take a game like Heavy Rain that plays basically like a movie, I mean, you're, the interaction between the player and the game is, is simplistic, and it's, it's minimal where, you know, the, I mean, you do play a major part in how the story unfolds, but it's, the game itself is is like a a movie or a you know a television series kind of the way that it that it plays out and the the people watching you play could be just as interested in seeing where the story goes as as you are even though you're the one making the decisions um and i think in order to create an experience like that there you need hardware you need solid powerful hardware to do it um like where you look at uh uh, one one game that's on the horizon, uh, The Order, for PS4, um, or I, actually I don't remember. I think it's a PS4 exclusive. It might be cross platform. I believe um, it's PS4 exclusive. PS, okay, yeah, PS4 exclusive. Um, that game, I I believe from what I've come to understand, is sort of marketing itself on the fact that you sort of transition uh, s- smoothly and uh, seamlessly between cutscenes and actual gameplay so there could be uh, one cutscene where there's this big monster chasing you and all of a sudden you know and you're watching it unfold and it's and you know in in the past you might have a, a loading screen in between that and the game the actual gameplay but for this game it's you you transition straight into the gameplay at any time like you have to be constantly paying attention to make sure that you're, you know, ready because it's it's completely a seamless experience, and that's the kind of thing that you need powerful hardware to do. I absolutely agree. Uh, I hope Bruce that answered your question. We appreciate you sending that into us. Uh, and and a quick feedback we got on Twitter. They wanted to know what token do I play in Monopoly? I'm always the top hat because it's the best. And I'm mad because they did that thing. Remember where they br- made the cat token? And I hate that. That's not authentic Monopoly. Don't do that. So, 
Uh, I know, I'm kind of I'm partial to the uh, spindle. Yeah, yeah. No, the you know the uh, the battleship and the and the wheelbarrow and oh, all the classic. <laughs> oh man, I could talk Monopoly for hours. Let me know when the esports Monopoly tournament is. I'll watch that. Um, so let's move on to our next question. Uh, this question comes from a couple people, so I'm not going to give anyone specific credit. Sorry, don't take it personally. Um, one of the things I'm asked most when people learn that I cover the technology industry and I do a technology podcast is, well, what should I buy, right? That's always the question you get asked. What's, what's, I'm, I'm in the market for a smartphone. I don't know what I should get. Or, you know, I, I want to watch Netflix on my TV. What's the best way to do that? So I thought it might be good now that I have th a diverse panel of three people here on the show. Because Colby and Dan, let's be honest, they, they're in the industry, all right? They think Linux is great and all this baloney. No, 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 no. Let's talk to the real people. Let's get some answers for them. Let's go around the horn and work through what are some of the best devices on the market to, today. Do you guys think you're up for the challenge? Absolutely. All right. I'm very opinionated. This is good. Well, this oh, is perfect. <laughs> so why don't we... Why don't we start with, uh, I don't know if it's the obvious one, but certainly the most popular one, smartphones. Uh, I kind of want to go around and maybe quickly, if you guys want to share what device you're currently using and what are your thoughts on it. Travis, we'll start with you. Uh, what's, uh, what, what's your phone situation like these days? Uh, currently, I have an iPhone 5S. I like it. I really do. Um, some I, I like the phone. I like the product. I don't particularly like Apple and how they conduct business. They are incredibly ruthless, and that's why they got how they are today, being like, if not one of the, then the most powerful name in making smartphones. But honestly, after my, uh, after my um, contract is up with this phone, I'm more than likely going to switch to an Android device. Really? That's interesting. It... Not to say that the iPhone is bad. I love the iPhone. I really do. It's just... It's just not as customizable as I like. And, and I think that's a fair point. Uh, is there any specific models of Android you would consider? Right now, the best one that I can think of, if I was going to switch tomorrow, I would probably get the HTC One and 8. The new 2014 model of the HTC One. Um, it, honestly, it, just, it has the hardware to back up what it says it can do. It's customizable. It runs off of Android KitKat, and um, it has another overlay on top of it that's unique to HTC. It, it looks nice, it works nice, and it feels like a solid put-together phone, but I don't need to go through all the rings that I need to jump through for Apple to make it my own. And that's, I guess, what I would look for if I was going to switch like tomorrow or something. I think that's a great point, and I absolutely agree. I think the HTC One M8 is a highly underrated phone. Um, the reviews have been incredibly solid. Um, and what's really interesting, I don't, I believe it's available now. You can get a Google Play edition uh, yes. of the phone without the HTC if you're into, you know, customizable, want to do it yourself, but without the HTC crap. You get both options. So um, that's one of the beauties of Android is you get uh, choice. Uh, Katie, why don't we uh, why don't we go to you? What uh, what what are you using these days? I also have an iPhone 5s. Um, it I got it within the last month. I had a 4s, and my top little hold button died. Um, oh, but much. I really yeah, 
And of course, it was out of warranty, but I really like my iPhone, but I also have a Mac. I don't feel any, I just want it to work. I don't need it to be special to me. I just want it to go immediately. And it did that, and that's all I've ever wanted in it. And I love the little, the fingerprint thing. That's been so cool. Do you use that a lot? I do. That's how I unlock it pretty much all the time. And do you find it works well? It does for me, but it's also a pretty much a brand new phone, so I haven't had time for it to break. <laughs> that's been that, sometimes. Oh, uh, great. <laughs> yeah, that's what's interesting. You're the first person I've met that uh, that has a 5S and uses that all the time, so that's interesting. Oh, I yeah. use it all the time as well, but like, oh, yeah, there's just points when I try unlocking it and it just doesn't go, and it's like, oh, you should probably just put your password in. I changed my password from the you know simple number dials to you know one of these oh, the full actual <laughs> passcodes. And it's so annoying. If I'm just using one hand, it's like, could you just, could you just, put, just once, once, please? <laughs> well, that's very I'm, good. But yeah, when it does work, good. it is the smoothest transition ever. Yeah, it's been good. All right. Uh, Colin, how about you? What are you using these days? I'm rocking the Galaxy S4. And, um, and, and, you, and you've had that phone for a while, correct? Yeah, about a little over a year now. And, yeah, and, something like that. And have you been satisfied with your purchase? Overall, yeah. Um, let's see. I owned the um, my previous phone was the Droid Charge. That was also that was the Verizon branding of it, but it was also a Samsung phone. Um, and that phone, I was less satisfied with than this one. I think Samsung has uh, definitely upped their game since uh, two thousand whatever it was eleven that I bought that phone. Um, you know, I, I with the Charge, I noticed a lot of. Uh, decrease in uh, performance you know over the year or two that i owned it um this phone has pretty much been solid i mean it hasn't uh been slowing down on me or anything like that um my only complaint i guess about samsung phones in general is they they just absolutely load it with bloatware and apps that you'll never use and uh they kind of just stick out like a sore thumb uh luckily uh with the s4 you can sort them into folders so it makes it less intrusive on your uh, your apps uh, page but with the with a charge you weren't able to do that so it was just lots of crap that I would never use just kind of sitting there um, and they also Samsung you know because they're Samsung they have this whole like they have their own app store of Samsung apps that they constantly want you to download and update and use that I just never use like but overall, it's a great device. It it has a ton of features that I think most people who own the phone will never use. But it does have some cool features. But I would say, unless you just love being on the forefront, you know, you got to have like the most modern, you know, most advanced device. I would say there's no reason to pick the the S4 over a uh, you know a, a a lesser big name you know smartphone that has uh basic functionality but not all the crazy features yeah um i I mean i'll jump in and say i have an iphone 4s uh i will upgrade to the iphone 6 when it comes out in the fall and i've i swear every time they announce a new phone i go back and forth oh and there's a new android phone i want it and then oh there's a new iphone i want it you know i'm such a flake back and forth but i think I think, and maybe, you know, correct me if I'm wrong what I'm getting from you folks, but, you know, there used to be, what company was that? Nokia. 
No, no. What I was thinking of was the famous <laughs> saying: "No one ever got fired for buying IBM." Right? I believe that was the saying. Um, it might not be IBM; it might be a different company. But the idea was, you can't get in trouble for buying IBM because they make really good products. I feel the same as with Apple. Really, you, you you can't get a bad product from Apple. Is it the most cutting edge? Is it the most customizable? But overall, especially for those who aren't as tech savvy as some of us are. I feel like the iPhone is a really compelling device for your average user. And I can't tell you how many people had iPhone that have come to me and have had iPhones, got talked into when their plan was up switching to usually a Samsung, and then how many of them a month or two later come to me and say, it was the worst decision of my life. I just want my iPhone back. Now, that's not to say there's something wrong with the Samsung. I think that's a, a type of user. So I think... You know, to kind of conclude this debate, what's the best smartphone you can get? I would tell people, I think the iPhone is a really solid device, especially if you have Apple products already. And I think if you're going to go with Android, um, I think the HTC One is a really great phone. I think the Samsung, Samsung stuff is okay. Get the Google Play edition without all the extra crap in it. You know, that that's my opinion. Um, Do they make those? Can you even get those for Samsung know, phones? I'm going to check... Uh, you used, I know, was it the S4? They had a version, but I don't know if the S5 has one. Yeah, um, but definitely. I mean, I, I, I agree, though, definitely with the assessment that Apple just makes quality products. I mean, you you hold an iPhone in your hand, and whenever someone lets me borrow their iPhone and I just hold it in my hand, I just, it feels so great to hold. It Compared to my S4, which kind of just feels like a, piece of plastic i mean it's not it's by no means a low quality device but when you hold an iphone it just feels so right i want to say yeah and i i think this this debate is almost on hold until we see the iphone 6 in the fall i think that's going to be a really interesting device and i will say uh for google play edition right now you can get the htc1 the moto g and moto x and the galaxy s4 you cannot get the s5 at the moment um with the google play but something to keep in mind um one other uh, device, I didn't know if you guys had any opinions on tablets. If any of you guys own tablets, use tablets, um, feel free to, to jump in. Uh, I'm not a tablet user, so... No tablets for Colin? Travis? Um, I'd say there's no, at least in my opinion, I don't have a tablet, but I'm not unaccustomed to using them. When it comes to a tablet, it really depends on you. The best one for you would be what you are used to. They honestly copy smartphones and all that they can in everything except for the fact that they can make calls and you know text via your um, carrier. But you know, say I have I have an iPhone. I'm used to the iPhone. I have used multiple different iPads, and they just feel natural to use. I've also used Android devices, and you know those, uh, you know, other tablets like the Nexus again feel pretty, pretty natural to me because I know both. But to say someone only uses Apple or until now has only used Android, go for one of those devices. Don't look for the other one because you're going to end up saying that you want your old device back when you really are just looking at your smartphone. So get whatever fits you and what you are used to, and you're going to find the best way to make it happen. These are basically the same thing, just, you know, one's bigger and probably has more power. Yeah, it's, it's an ecosystem question, I think, through and through. And as someone who has owned both Android and iPad uh, tablets, 
uh, Android and Apple phones. Um, I end up buying all my apps twice. I end up not getting all my data converted from one to the other. It's a pain. Um, but that's why they make these ecosystems, right? They're not designed for you to be able to easily switch in and out of. Uh, so I think you make a really good point with that. Uh, Katie, I didn't know if you had any thoughts on tablets. I don't own one. Sorry. <laughs> okay. that's, I think that's fine. Uh, I know that's a little more specific than the, uh, the smartphones. Uh, we had another person on Twitter, uh, using the hashtag DP questions, uh, send us a question. Her name is Katie Adams. And the question is, what is the best smartphone app to get? Um, so let me, let me put it out to you guys. Uh, and maybe we'll start with Colin. What is the, for you, the must have app for your smartphone? The, the, the app you use most often, you couldn't live without, um, uh, do you have a, a pick? Um, hmm. You know what? That's a good question. And if you want, you can take a pass and I can throw it to Travis. Well, I've got, I've got a couple. Um, okay. Well, you will probably pick are... one, though. Oh, well. Hmm. I mean, I'm just going by I... the user question. I'm sorry. All right, let me, let me narrow it down while you consult the other hosts. Okay, Travis, do you have a... I have a pick if you all want me to go first. Um, I think, I think for now you can go. Okay, good. I'm glad we stumped everybody. My, uh, <laughs> my must have smartphone app, and this, this might surprise you, might not, um, is Instagram. Monopoly. No, Instagram. Oh. And I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Uh, and I've been wanting to have this debate for a while. Maybe this isn't the best place to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, to me, Instagram is the perfect social network. It does not get better than Instagram. And here is why. I hate reading. I don't like reading. <laughs> and I don't like mixed media, especially, okay? That's why I like Twitter and why I like Instagram, right? If I want to read, I will go to Twitter. Now, since they've updated their webpage, they're doing the inline media photo previews, and I hate that, so I use apps and things where it's just the text. And I can scroll through and I can read it. Great, love it. I go to Instagram. It's just photos and videos. And I just flick through slowly, and I'm looking. Oh, look at that. Oh, that's neat. But I go to Facebook, and it's like 38 different things. There's videos and photos and ads and links and, and you name it, and they're all jumbled. And because I'm scrolling, things get missed. I go over things. It's a nightmare. To me, Instagram is simple. It's smart. It's easy to use. And it tells me the social information I want without all the nonsense, right? Like someone could post... Oh, spending the day with my family at the beach. So excited. Love your heart. Wink. You know, whatever. It's emoji. All this baloney. Or I can just quickly scroll by a photo of a sunset at a beach and say that's stupid and I don't care. And I, to me, that's the difference. I've wasted more time reading their stupid post than I did. And maybe it's because it's more difficult to post crap on Instagram, right? Think of how clogged your Facebook newsfeed gets, especially with stuff you don't care about. You can't, you can a little bit. You really can't on Instagram. And that, that's my argument and why one of the first apps I check on my phone is Instagram because it's a quick way for me to get social updates without having to read, without having to do a lot of detail, and for me to get a story from a single image that I may not get from whatever stupid thing they write. Um, and as an ancillary, I'll also say I'm a big Vine fan. Uh, if you're not into Vine, I think Vine is really excellent. It's sort of the you know a video Instagram in a way. Um, I made a Vine once. I got I got a push notification the other day that I have over a hundred vines. I said I'm using this too much. Um, 
but it's but it's yeah, fun yeah. um and there's a lot of funny stuff on there so th- th- that's my pick anyway i don't know if you guys have uh if someone wants to go next um i personally use my banking apps all the time i'm pretty practical i don't have an instagram don't plan on getting one <laughs> um, lock on katie no instagram <laughs> for life that's, that's disappointing. Right. Hashtag no filter. No. Well, no, the, the filters are, t- I will give you that. The filters, I never use filters. Total BS. Ruin the experience. Okay. Well, I'm glad you that you've that. gone there, Sean. Yeah. I'm glad that you like Instagram now because now you can't spam my Facebook feed as much, which is nice. <laughs> what is this? Ouch, getting called out. Now I'm going to extra spit. I'm going to poke you. You're just oh. Bring it on. I went there. So Katie's pick is her banking apps. I've just witnessed the start of a war. Um, Gentlemen, let's see. any thoughts? Personally, for me, uh-huh. I'd say Spotify. And that's because I have a Spotify account. Uh, I second that. That's my Because like, I'll put it this way. I have an Apple product. Therefore, have iTunes. Because you need to. Uh, I don't like iTunes. I don't like the fact that I have paid 99 cents for every single song. That's stupid. There are a lot of songs out there. I don't have that much money. I go to college. That's where all my money is. And with Spotify, I pay $10. Yeah, $10 a month. If I take that literally as I will listen to 10 new songs, over 10 new songs a month, which I do, it pays for itself. And it's a really sleek design. It's a good app. It's got reliable con- connectivity. And I don't know how well I'd be off if my phone did not have music for me to listen to. So Spotify's got my vote for like, you know, something that I must have. Because other than that, I just have games. And I'm really bad about playing them on my phone. My poor battery hates me. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree about Spotify. Um, I, I'm going to say a different app for mine just because I want to be original. But uh, I love Spotify. They they absolutely and they know how to develop an app. And I've over the past uh, however long uh, year and a half or so that I've used it, uh, it's just been improving nonstop. They updated a lot. They improved the functionality. Um, when Spotify first was released for Android, it was like, you couldn't, the app wasn't even available to non-premium users, but now the app is available and you can just listen to uh, whatever album or artist on Shuffle Play. You can't choose a song, uh, but it's kind of like uh, Pandora, where it will choose the songs for you and you can still get you know whatever artists you want to listen to, but you just can't choose the song. So I think that's great, and it's it's an awesome app. Must have, I would say, for any smartphone user. Um, but as far as I would say, the coolest app that I have in my repertoire is uh, an alarm app called Sleep as Android. Um, it's only available on Android. From I mean, since it's called Sleep as Android, but uh, it, it lets you do a lot of cool stuff. It has because uh, I don't know about you guys, but I hate waking up. Like, who doesn't hate waking up? And I, I found that I could never get an alarm app that I liked. You know, I, I tried so many different things. I would try, uh, you know, and I would try using so many different uh, tones as my alarm tone. And 
no matter what it was, I hated it. It was either too annoying and, and ab- abrasive and it just made me feel terrible. Or it was like, if I used a song, whatever song I used, I would come to hate it because I would just associate it with waking up. So I was really lost and I had no idea what to do. And I found this app and not only does it have a huge selection of awesome sounds to use as alarms. Personally, I use uh, one called Summer Storm. It's literally like thunder and it starts out really quiet and it just gets louder and louder and louder. But it's just the most relaxing sound ever to wake up to, in my opinion. Um, it, but it also has all these other features. It actually has a, a sleep tracking feature. Um, you can go to sleep, put your phone next to you like in, in bed uh, and you put you switch it to airplane mode, so you know it doesn't ring or whatever to disturb you, and uh, it actually track tracks your sleeping patterns, and it gives you a whole graph on like how much deep sleep and REM sleep you've gotten, and uh, how many hours of sleep you got, and how many are uh, recommended for you to get, and it just it does all kinds of new stuff. It even can record the noise in your room while you're sleeping, which is kind of weird actually, but it's cool. Um, so that's, I would say the coolest app that I've got right now on my phone. Excellent. Excellent pick. Uh, let me quickly go around the horn. Cause, uh, would you all say Spotify is the best streaming service? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's kind of the, you know, I have never used it. I know the guy. It's I was really, really good. I would, I definitely recommend it over like all other Cause types I'm a, of Cause I'm a big Pandora guy now. Pandora doesn't allow you to pick tracks, right? Right, but I but see, I kind of li- I wouldn't know what to pick though. The good thing about Spotify is it has a radio feature, okay. which is basically Pandora. You put in a song that you like. Uh, I like a song called "Evan Flow" by Beatles. If I put that in, say, start radio, it will take music from that genre and start playing. It. You can either thumb up or thumb down. That Very much like Pandora. Based on, yeah, based on that. It'll give you the next one, the next one, and then after that, you can save that station and come back to it at any time you like, and it'll keep doing the same thing. Yeah, it's basically like, it's Pandora Plus, basically. It has everything (laughs) that Pandora has, and more. Imagine Pandora and a moneyless iTunes just kind of yeah, the Netflix of music. Yeah, I uh, I'm gonna have to take the Spotify challenge eventually, uh, probably sometime in the next couple weeks, and try it out uh, because. Everyone says it's the best, and I'm glad you guys agree. Uh, very good picks all around. Thank you for that question. Uh, we're going to move on to another question that someone actually sent us, uh, and that would be uh, from Superfan Jill, uh, and she writes, uh, My dad has early-onset Alzheimer's, and we're looking to get him a smartphone to help him be more independent. He picks up technology pretty quickly, but the most important things for him to have are a good GPS, some type of location tracker, and maybe easy-to-use calendars with reminders. Which phone should we consider? We don't want to get him the flashiest phone, just something reliable that can help him when he goes out on his own. Thank you, Jill, for that question. I'll remind everyone out there, if you're watching live, to tweet hashtag DPQuestions at us if you want to hear yours on the show. Um, This is kind of an interesting question, and it's a narrow question, but I think it's one worth discussing. And I'll jump in first and um, say I think this, this question requires two answers, right? Uh, For me, the first answer is, this is a very underutilized space in this market, I think. A, something more than a feature phone, 
you don't have to necessarily use the term smartphone, but something more than a feature phone designed for this senior citizen class who aren't idiots and who can use, you know, don't need a jitterbug phone, if anyone remembers the short-lived jitterbug. Oh, I remember those. Yep. With, with, you know, with the huge buttons and the and the call and end, which were, like, enormous. Um, you know, they're not stupid. I, you know, they're, they've grown up with some amount of technology. But at the same time, if I guarantee if you handed them a Samsung Galaxy phone right now, I'd be lost, never mind them, you know? So, to me, I think that is a massively underutilized market for technology, and I wish more companies would make products. Now, to answer the question specifically, what phones should he get, I mean, I would probably shy him away from Android phones. They tend to be a little more complicated. I, I suppose my immediate answer would be iPhone, just because it's traditionally known as being the most simple. It's not necessarily simple, but of the pack, I would say it's simple. I would also consider, and I know controversial answer, consider trying a Windows phone. Now, I say this because Windows phone has a much different visual look than Android and iOS, which are arguably similar. Uh, using things like the live tiles on Windows might appeal to him more if he's looking for quick glance appointments and reminders, quick access to things like GPS and location. Microsoft uses uh, Bing Maps with Nokia uh, Here integration, which are known for being world-class maps, much better than Apple Maps. Uh, So I would seriously consider actually trying him out on a Windows phone. Now, it's kind of split, right? Half the people really love the interface, and the other half get lost and aren't comfortable with it. So it might be worth trying and seeing if he likes it, if you can get your hands on, on a phone or a device like that. Uh, I would consider almost trying that. Outside of that, I think an iPhone is kind of the way to go. Uh, to the panel, do you guys have any thoughts on uh, this debate here? I agree with you when you say iPhone. I very wholeheartedly agree. Um, the calendar app, that it has now that it's been updated to allow you to actually change the view and do a very detailed schedule is probably one of the best I've seen, you know, as far as generic calendar apps go, you know, it can, you can go as specifically as time or as broad as year. And it gives you actually pretty, pretty decent alerts depending on when you set them. You can set them for like two days before an event or an hour before to minutes before the event. And it's really, it's, it's good in a way that it will, like, it, it does a good job letting you know. And I know that I probably couldn't go through a lot of, uh, a lot of my life without my, ca- uh, my calendar app just kind of letting me know that I have a life. And on the other half of the question, when she was talking about a, uh, a tracking kind of thing, uh, Apple put in this really cool, uh, feature. It's the Find My Phone app and Find My Phone website. So it's basically saying if you if you've lost your phone, like multiple people, including myself, you can go online to I think just track uh, find my phone apple.com or something of that nature. Type in your Apple ID and password, and it will find your and it'll find that phone. And I've tested this out to within. So within, I'd say, about 30 meters where your phone is. And it's very reliable. I've done it in multiple places. And it actually will also set off a small ringing on the phone that can be heard for quite a distance away and won't stop until you actually you know, get it. And as far as you know, trackers like that, it's incredibly reliable. And it uses, um, 
The only thing I don't like is that it uses Apple Maps as kind of like a platform to find you. If it could be Google Maps, that'd be fantastic. But as it is now, it fits the criteria of what you're looking for. It's very easy to use once you know how once you know how to use it, and learning doesn't take too long at all. And even people outside of the person who owns the phone can access this um, can access this tracker app. So if you are if you have access to um, the other person's information and you need to know where it is where he is, then you can just log on and find it as soon as possible. I think that's great advice. Anyone uh, anyone else care to jump in? Um. Well. I mean, yeah, I think in terms of, you know, if you want a device that's kind of, not to say bare bones in a negative way, but, you know, simple to use and straightforward, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think an, an iPhone is a good choice. Uh, maybe the iPhone 5C would be a good option, uh, you know, because it's not on the cutting edge in terms of technology, but it should give you all the features that you're looking for for a decent price. I mean, I think the 5C is a would be a good way to go. Although I'd like to point out one interesting thing, uh, and I wish I could actually show you this, but maybe people who are interested could uh, look it up. But um, the S4 has an interesting feature that it actually lets you uh, switch your home screen to what's, it's like a simple mode. Uh, I forget what it's called. It's like easy mode or something like that. And it, it just condenses everything and makes all the icons much bigger. Um, and it it gets rid of the um, the fancy animations and transitions between screens and stuff like that. And it just gives you the the all of the bare essential apps that you need and it displays them. You know, and they're like really easy to see, and it just gives you like all the just the the information that you really care about. Like you got the time nice and big at the top. Um, you have like a big uh, widget that gives you the weather, but it's like simple, easy to look at. And then you've just got like simple, you know, email, uh, music, calendar, calculator, internet. I mean, phone contacts. It's just a simple, easy to look at kind of option for that. I think would be good for first-time smartphone users and people who are not looking for a crazy experience with lots of features. Yeah, Katie, uh, any any thoughts before? Um, my grandfather has an iPhone, and he loves it. Um, he's always liked technology, but I still think it's a good platform. Um, both my grandparents have iPads, and they like it. I mean, it seems to work for them. So it seems I agree with what everyone has said as far as it being a pretty simple and um, intuitive device, rather, to use. Yeah, and, and I'll just throw in two other things quick. One being, I think, I'd be really interested to see someone build a custom ROM for Android based solely at this demographic. Because I know the problem, and I've seen things like this happen, where you would enable something like Easy Mode on the Samsung, and the person would find some way to disable it, or go around it, or get lost in a menu. Or, But if you built a custom ROM from scratch, you could strip out a lot of those things. So I think that's interesting. The other angle I would say to uh, to our viewer is, if money isn't necessarily an object and you're willing to try something very cutting edge, I almost want to say, look at wearables, right? Whether it's Android Wear or the upcoming iWatch. If you think about it, those devices are designed to do two things. 
fitness and, and motion tracking and movement tracking and notifications, right? Really the two things you asked us to find you a requirement for. And, you know, as long as he's always carrying the phone in his pocket, if it's on the wrist, it'll vibrate with reminders right on your wrist. You don't have to worry about going through all the menus on the phone. You know, we'll have to see how these wearables play out over time, but I feel like that's a really interesting angle. And if you're really willing to be cutting edge and try something brand new, it might be an avenue worth looking at. That's just a thought. Um, let's move on to our final question. And we're going to start off with Katie on this because she is perfect for this, okay? Uh, and it has to do with Netflix. Ooh. And uh, uh, the question asks... Netflix today accounts for something like 90% of paid online video streaming. So not YouTube, but, you know, paid online streaming. An absurd amount, right? With uh, Hulu and Amazon way far behind. And so the, the question is, you know, how has Netflix earned this dominance in the market and can they keep it over time? Uh, Katie, I know you watch Netflix. Um, I do. I'll start off by asking A, uh, if you care to share what you're watching now out of curiosity, and B, you know, why why for you is is the Netflix the sort of ultimate solution for video streaming and can they continue that? Um currently on Netflix I haven't watched anything in a while. Um but um I do have Amazon Prime and their like add-on streaming service. And actually what I've really liked about Amazon is being able to buy the movie online and have access to it through your Amazon account. But I think Netflix is always going to have that little leg up by just being there for so much longer and just having this huge range of content and the ability to get the DVD and rotating through this huge you know, library of stuff that they have available and all of their new original content um, like Orange is the New Black or whatever has just exploded. I personally have never seen it, but I know it's a big thing. Um, and I think until Amazon and Hulu can start producing those sort of similar things and bringing in people that way, um, that they're just always going to be a little bit behind. Well, and I think that's interesting, and I'll bounce back at you with this. You know, uh, Amazon and Hulu are spending enormous amounts of money to have original content, and both services do. They have several series that they've run that are exclusive and original only to those services. And yet, we sit here talking about House of Cars and Orange is the New Black, and you can argue whether or not they're superior to their other the other services' shows. But do you think it's the buzz Netflix has that when they put out a show, it gets recognition, whereas when Hulu puts out a show, people forget about it? Yeah, I think there's definitely, they've done something right as far as getting their content out there. Um, and it's definitely helped them. Although I think it'll be interesting now that Amazon has this huge thing of HBO shows that they can now go back to. Um, that will be interesting because I've previously watched um, HBO shows through the HBO Go app. But that's because I've been able to, you know, steal it through my parents where now... You know, I have this other way of getting to it, which would be easier for me as someone who doesn't want to buy HBO for, you know, the channel. Absolutely. Uh, guys, let's start with maybe Travis. What do you uh, what, what do you think about Netflix? What are, what are they doing right? Why are they so successful? And, and I and I want to know why you were smiling when Katie brought up DVDs by mail. It wasn't actually that um, 
Here's, uh, it was entirely different. I also, as you do, have uh, people talking to me during this. And uh-huh. a friend of mine, his name is uh, Victor Zuniga, came to me with a kind of funny little um, tidbit of information. Uh, apparently, it's recorded that Netflix is responsible for 90% of productivity loss in people who own the service. And I think that's hysterical and entirely true because I'm a victim of it. Um, <laughs> Netflix is incredibly dominant um, in the fact that it differs from uh, something like Hulu in a very small way. When you look at a series on Hulu, it brings you to the uh, it brings you to the season that is currently on. And it, you can go into like the latest episode and they'll have it. Netflix, however, only takes full seasons and puts them together. And that can get frustrating at times. But for all, what most people want to do when they log on to a video streaming service, they want to find this one show that they've been hearing about that they've watched maybe once or twice, you know, here and there. And they want to just shock on the whole thing, which is what I did. And I actually just finished, uh, just recently finished watching House and um, House of Cards. You're on, you're on a house having, run? Sorry, what? You're doing a house marathon? All, everything with oh, house I, in it? I, I, I marathoned all of house. <laughs> and my life will never be the same. But that, I think it's stuff like that that keeps Netflix up. The fact that it can just, you just log on and just in a weekend, or if you have a life unlike myself, you can do it in a few weeks and just like any any show that you've ever wanted to see that you know, of course Netflix has, you can get to it. And also you were talking about original content. I know that a lot of series, um, after say they're dropped by their station, will go to these streaming services and actually get quite a few more views than it would on that, you know, service. I know that for a fact, um Arrested Development did change and they were dropped and then were picked back up by Netflix. And my opinions aside, it definitely of like those seasons when Netflix picked it up, they got a lot of views that they wouldn't have had that they never had um, when they were on. Geez, I don't even know what channel it was on before it was on Netflix. Fox. Um, Fox. Okay. And I feel like it. It has the name that most most shows will go for. Like when you say when you think. Oh, I want to, I want this show to get picked up on online streaming service. They think Netflix. They don't think Hulu Plus. They don't think Yahoo, even though Yahoo is bringing back community, which I'm quite happy about. Um, so I feel like just with, it, it started out being the basically only place for you to stream movies online, like one of the very few, if not only. And its name just carries it so far. And as we've seen with Apple, that can only do so much. But when it comes to an entirely different sort of, you know, business entirely, I want to see what it can what it can do to just have like this name of Netflix just be so powerful. I I agree with all those points, Colin. Do you have any other any other reasons that uh, you think Netflix has managed to become so dominant in the space? Well, um, we certainly touched upon a lot. I think uh, you guys have made some 
the main points already, and I actually am. Oh, this surprises a lot of people that I'm not a, ne- a Netflix user. I've never subscribed to Netflix, although I would love to convince my parents to subscribe to it because I think they would love it. But they're skeptical because they're old. But uh, personally, I've never been a user of it. I've only used it at friends' houses and stuff like that. But um, I don't think I can give any more input as to why it is more successful or better than the other services. But I can say one thing I do like about Netflix, and that is that uh, as a uh, as a huge player in the industry, um, that they, they get an immense amount of uh, traffic. They are very, very active in the... Uh, in the net neutrality debate and they have showed their, uh, support of, you know, an open internet where, uh, businesses and consumers don't have to pay to get put in a fast lane to access the content they're interested in. So I, I I respect, I respect Netflix for fighting for, uh, an open internet where we can all be all packets and all, uh, web services are treated equal. So that's what that's the one thing I did want to say about Netflix is that I respect them for that. I think that's a, an excellent point. I wish we actually had time tonight to talk about uh, net neutrality. We don't. I'm going to throw two quick things that didn't come up in our Netflix debate. Another two reasons why I think they're dominant. And I think you're all right. Um, in, in each way you mentioned, and I think it's hard to pin one down as to why they're successful. But I think two more that didn't get mentioned. The first being is the no frills experience, right? Uh, if you pay Hulu every month, you get commercials in all your shows, even though you pay them, right? If you want Amazon Prime streaming, you can't. You have to buy Prime. Now, for a lot of people, that's not a problem, but for some people it is. Plus, Amazon shoves all their for-pay movies in there with them. Again, not a problem for some people, but if you just want streaming, it's a little more complicated. Netflix, on the other hand, you give them money. They give you shows like there's nothing between you and your content. And I think that's a really unique advantage. And I think they were able to do that because they were first because there were no barriers in the same way. Apple could do it first with iTunes. I I feel like they had a first mover advantage. The other reason I think that they are dominant is because they are on everything. Think of a device in your life that doesn't have Netflix on it. It's disturbing that, Every phone, tablet, computer, streaming box, smart TV, Blu-ray player. I think my car runs Netflix. I mean, it's crazy the amount of places you can get. It wouldn't surprise me. It really wouldn't surprise me. If you think about it, and this is kind of a telling fact, and I just thought this. When Google announced Chromecast, right? Big announcement, cornerstone product for Google, hugely important. They launched with three, no, was it four ways to... for content streams on Chromecast at launch, right? Google Play, YouTube, limited Android streaming, and uh, desktop sharing, and Netflix. The only non-Google service that launched on that platform, they were first. That's just tells the clout and how important Netflix is. When do you ever see anything announced that doesn't come with Netflix, right? Even you for, don't. Even talking 4K, <laughs> right? At CES this past in January, when they talked about all these 4K TVs, what was what was the big story? Netflix is going to have 4K. We're going to have Netflix 4K on everything. Of course, no one in their right mind owns 4K, but that's not the point. Netflix is there first, and I think that's another reason why they've been so successful is because you can pick it up in one place and watch it literally anywhere else. 
also to tie it in with the with the gaming uh, debate earlier, I don't know if you recall uh, when the Xbox One was announced. Originally, you had to be uh, an Xbox Live Gold subscriber in order to access Netflix on the Xbox One, and that one factor alone created so much anger in the gaming community for not being able to access Netflix. You know, putting Netflix behind a pay gate. Basically, so you have to be paying Netflix and paying Microsoft just to, you know, access Netflix on your Xbox One. Uh, d- just if you measure the amount of backlash that created, you realize how huge Netflix is and how important it is to people. I think that's a, a great thing to highlight, and that was absolute bullshit. So I, I agree. <laughs> no, bad on you, Microsoft. You should have known better. Sony. Um, yeah, Sony. Right. Uh, and that was. Uh, that was our last question. I can't believe it. We, we've gone through an hour. We've gone through a series of questions. Uh, I want to start by thanking all the viewers and listeners who sent in their questions. I hope we gave you good answers. Uh, if you want to give us feedback on how good or bad the answers were, uh, you should let us know. Don't panic show at gmail.com, uh, at don't panic show on Twitter and Facebook.com slash don't panic show. You can interact with us any of those ways. I promise we'll have a good conversation. Um, if you think of more questions, send them to us now, and I promise we'll hang on to them. Hopefully, we'll do another uh, Q&A show in, in the coming uh, months when Colby and Dan are on vacation in Hawaii or something. Uh, who knows? Uh, I want to thank you guys for being here. I know you all have very busy schedules, and you took the time out of your Monday night to, to spend it talking uh, with, with the technology nuts. Uh, first of all, Travis, thank you for, for being here. Anything you want to plug or promote? Uh, nothing that I want to plug or promote. I always ask everybody, and no one ever does. <laughs> I I didn't expect to have. Any, I don't have anything to plug. That, own that's fine. Pluggable he, things. He's at uh, at Travis Kovacs on Twitter. Is that right? Uh, I believe so. I like to keep it as simple as possible. Okay. Even I will forget it. It's not just Travis Kovacs. If he comes up with something to promote, you can follow him there. Uh, Katie, thank you for for being here from Scenic Baltimore. We appreciate you taking the time. Anything you want to plug or promote? Nope. Okay. Leave her alone is what she says. <laughs> uh, and of course, Colin, thank you uh, also for joining us. We appreciate your time. Anything you'd like to plug or promote? Well, I'm glad you didn't ask me first, because if you did, I wouldn't have had time to think of something, but I actually did have time to think of something. Um, first of all, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Turkel Colin. You know, sometimes I tweet interesting things. Most of the time I tweet nothing or just dumb things. Um, but, uh, I also will give a plug for my friend, uh, Sean Byrne, who is an aspiring, uh, rap artist and he is like amazing. He is sick. I mean, I have just sat in the same room with him like night after night, listening to him, his freestyle and his, some of the work that he's done. Uh, and he is awesome. So feel free if you're interested in that kind of stuff, search, you know, Google or Facebook, uh, Sean Byrne Music. It's B-Y-R-N-E. He's the man, and he deserves all the attention he can get. So that, there you go. That's excellent. How do you spell Sean? S-E-A-N. Oh, the wrong way. What a shame. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. No, that's a wonderful plug. Uh, I'm glad somebody finally plugged something. Sean Byrne, I think that's wonderful. So uh, thank you for that, Colin, and thank you guys for joining us. And thank you out there 
for watching. Uh, we do the show every Monday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, at our website, don'tpanicdata.io. You can get all the information there. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, get the RSS feeds, uh, video, the whole nine yards. I recommend watch the video. It's it's uh, We do HD, and you can see our beautiful faces. You can't go wrong. Uh, thank you all for joining us. We'll be back next week with another edition of Don't Panic. We'll see you then. This show is brewed fresh weekly by the Coffee and Beer Podcast Network. Get all our shows at our website, coffeeandbeer.tv.